Amen? Amen. I can see you tonight. I got the lights on. <laughs> Usually turn the lights out and I can't see anybody. All I see is white eyeballs. But it's good to see your shining faces tonight. How many of you are glad you're in the house of the Lord? Amen. If you're not here, you need to be. Amen. So we welcome everybody who's online and challenge you to come and be with us. We started church again a long time ago. Even the president is saying you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Come on back. Amen. That's my new word. I learned that on vacation. The Baptist taught me how to say amen. It's not amen. It's amen. Suck in when you say that thing. It comes out with power. They were the shouting type. Not this kind, but this kind. But anyway, let's stand up and make our confession of faith tonight. Praise the Lord. Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebased, nor did I turn away. God bless you as you're seated. Father, I pray tonight. Lord, that you anoint my lips and you anoint the hearing of each and every one, both here and out there in the world, wherever this goes. Lord, may you take the words of your word and minister to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. This message has had at least four, if not five or six titles. Many of you may not know, but when you get ready to preach the Word or give a message or do a teaching, sometimes the Lord just gives you a Word and you have to go from there. And sometimes that Word leads to what's called in, what we call it in homiletics and Bible school is the thesis of your message. What you're trying to say. And the reason it changed so many times was as I was developing the thesis that the Lord had given to me, everything kept changing. Where I thought I was going, <laughs> God didn't take me there. And so I came up with this title, and it's kind of unique. And the title of my message tonight is, Is Your Past Influencing Your Future? Is Your Past Influencing Your Future? Now, when I ask myself this question, I did believe me, 2 Corinthians 5.17 comes to mind. It's the first thing that came to my mind. Probably maybe even come to your mind. And Second Corinthians 5, 7, 8 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many of you have ever heard that? Now I'm going to ask a question. Is the scripture saying my past will not affect my future. Is the Scripture saying that old things have passed away and become all things have become new? Is it saying that my past will not affect my future? No. It only says that all my sins are forgiven and everything that I did in the past, the Lord has forgiven me for. 
He didn't wipe out our past. He just forgave us for it. And so when we look at past, past, we look, I looked at Webster's just to see. I knew what it meant, but I wanted to get an official, somebody smarter than me, to define it. And it's defined as having existed or taken place in a period before the present. Makes sense. Every day we constantly live in the presence. We constantly live in the presence. But the past is only microseconds away from the present. So, I drop a pen. When I took it out, I was in the present. When I dropped it, it became the future. It became the present, but it became my past. Because it has been dropped. It's not being dropped. It's not, not dropped yet. It is dropped. I cannot change what just happened when that pen dropped to the floor. Nothing I can do, nothing I can do can change it from falling on the floor because it is already in the past and nothing can change the fact that it was dropped. I can correct my mistake and pick it up and put it back in my pocket, but I can never make it not have dropped on the floor. And you say, well, Brother Graham, that's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. That doesn't sound like much of a revelation. I'm not saying it's a revelation, but sometimes I think that when we look at the past, we think way back, maybe early childhood or things of that nature. The past, me sitting in that chair a few minutes ago and seeing, is part of my history. I can never change that. I can't change my history, and neither can you change your history. Okay? Now, all of us know, and I want to make sure everybody does understand, God said that all things were passed away, and all things become new. That's what happened when you got saved. When you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, everything that you did up until that point in your past was forgiven, but it wasn't erased from your history. Now, what is, you can't change the past. You can't not make it not happen. It's part of your past forever, even if you correct your past. In other words, you correct what you did. You can say something to someone that hurts them. You can apologize for it, say you're sorry, but you can't take the words back. The words are already spoken. They're in the past. They've already accomplished what was intended. Or sometimes not what was intended, but how it was received. But you can't change that. That's another message. So it's important that we realize that our past is important. We live this life every day, a life of building our past. Every day, I add one more page, one more line to my past every day. So is it important what's in our past? Because that's where everything that made us what we are. A life of building our past, which is influencing our present and becomes our future. We know the past, present, future. All those things exist. And many of us try to live the future before walking in the present. You can't change your future. You can't change the outcome of your life unless you change the present and it becomes part of your past which will influence 
your future. Okay? So, understanding our past helps us now in the present and will affect our future. In other words, what we do with the present adds to our future but launches us, as our past launches us to our future. So, what is in our past? All the things that has made us what we are right now is a composite of our past. Every person here's past is not the same. Okay? Past memories before salvation. Think of the times when you were growing up. Now, I have a sister. I don't like using personal references, but this is the best I can come up with. I have a sister. Now, there are differences in our age. But my sister was raised by the same parents as I was raised, my mother and my father. Our mother and father, I guess I should say. We were raised by the same parents, lived in the same house, went to church, the same church, pretty much had the same Sunday school teachers, the same influences in our life. But my sister and I don't have the same past because no matter how close twins, identical twins, born to the same mother, lived in the same house, when they grow up, they're individuals. Even though they may have gone to the same places, their pasts are different. And because of their past, that's what influences their future. Now, there are many good memories and there are many bad memories. And because we have good memories, especially before we were saved, I know there are a lot of things in my past that I am ashamed of, that I did back in those days. There are things that I'm proud of that I did back in those days. There are good things that happened to me and there are bad things that happened to me. I did good things and I did bad things. And they're all part of my past. And they make me who I am today. And because... My past is different than your past. No matter how you want to look at it, there's no way, there's no way that your past is the same as my past. So I'm not going to have the same experiences as you, but what I do is based upon what my past and what I've done with what I've learned in my past. So it's important for us to realize that memories are important. But the best are the good memories. The thing about it is, is many people's lives that they live today, they're living in the past. They're living from the past influences in their lives. There are memories that bring good things before salvation. There were the bad things. There are many people that had disappointments, had failures, hurtful memories. Many of you... Not just people here, but people that are listening to this tonight. Wherever you are in the world, there are many people that have been hurt in their past that they still, in that, that hurt still influences their life today because someone, something hurt them. Many times they were shamed by things. They became ashamed of something that they did and because of the shame, it affects their Lives because it's part of the past. Now, we have a relationships in our lives. I don't like the word relationships, but we live with relationships. They're part of our life. They're part of our existence. You can have a good relationship or you can have a bad relationship. Sometimes a relationship with our family, father, mother, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, whatever. Sometimes we have good relationships and sometimes there's falling outs and we have a bad relationship. One thing that I've been seeing recently, and I, I just heard it again this morning, was meeting with some men this morning in a Bible study early this morning, early for me, 
before daybreak. That's early for me. But one of the guys was getting ready to leave, and he started talking about the things that were changing in his son's life. And I said, you know, I can think of three or four people that's just recently that I found out things that God is beginning to move in, in people's lives toward their families. Things that happened years and years ago. In the past, things, relationships broken years ago. Some not even seeing people for years. Kids, grandkids, whatever it was. This guy happened to be his kids. And things are being happening. I've seen it happening over and over. It's, it's, it's as though, it's, it's almost as though a lid has just fallen off of God's blessings and God is beginning to pull the families, the prayers that have been prayed for years and years and years and years for past relationships and past hurts and past things. And God is beginning to heal those things now. He's taken the past that no one could change. There's none of us that has the ability to change. But the fact is, He changes the hearts of people that they change and their relationships are healed. Why? Because of the things that are happening in the present and now we can look at those things good as we see them now are now being added to our future because those circumstances and those consequences of the things that we're doing now will be good where the consequences of those relationships in the past were bad and caused bad things to happen. So it's important for us to understand that there are so many things that go through our life. And when you, when you dwell, some people say, well, you can't dwell on the past. Well, some people say if you don't remember, there's a saying goes around, I can't remember, I just kind of lost it. But it's something to the fact that it says, uh, if you don't remember the past, if you don't watch out, you'll end up repeating your past if you don't remember it. In other words, sometimes if we don't remember the things that we've done in the past, then we'll end up going making the same mistake again over and over and over. Now, so, what am I trying to say? Our, our past lives are not the same. Therefore, we're not the same, and our future will not be the same. Ultimately, our future will end up in one common place. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ. But how we get there and what we go through to be able to make it to heaven is not going to be the same. Even though all of us are sitting here tonight hearing the same message, when we walk out this door tonight, our lives will become different. I'm not going to have Pastor Angela's, when I walk out this door, I'm going to get what my life lays before me. Pastor Angela is going to go, and where she goes is going to be, she's going to be walking out of here, creating her past as she goes in the present. And what we do in the present is what we have to understand is what's going to affect our future. Our <clears throat> past these after salvation a lot of times. Now, we talked about a lot of things that happened in our early lives and things of that nature. But I like to, to look at this. I don't, I don't like to talk about my life, but anybody know, if I say this, but some of you will know what I'm talking about. Others won't even won't have the foggiest idea. But people say that I grew up in a beaver cleaver house. Anybody know who beaver cleaver, the cleavers? It was a show many, 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 many moons ago, back when I was young, so you can imagine. Back in black and white TV. Uh, you can't have those in your house. Never mind. Uh, anyway, but what it was was everything was perfect in that house except Beaver. Well, Eddie Haskell wasn't too good either. But, but anyway, um, but, the thing, but the thing about it is, is people look at that and they say, well, because I didn't live a life that a lot of people live. From the, day, from the time I was five days old, I was taken to church. I was raised by a Christian father, a Christian mother, was taught as a young child by my, by my grandmother. I sit at her knee as she read the Bible and instilled in her The faith that has launched me to where I am today. I don't know if I shared the story, but I'll make it real quick. When you talk about past things, when I first started preaching, 
God healed me. God changed me. He changed my ministry. He changed my approach. He changed the things that I said. And I started preaching a lot on faith because God had told me, I told you this before, preach faith and love for where those two things no man will ever see me. And, and so I, I did that. But I ran into problems in my home. Not my home with me, in my home, but my, with my mother, my, not with my mother and father, but with my father. Because he disagreed with what I was teaching. And he didn't agree with me. And long story short, I prayed one night and I said, Lord, where, where did this faith come from? What in my past brought me to this point? What in my past? I mean, you've got to realize I was 24, 25 years old. I'll take that back. I was 28, 29 years old at that particular time. And I said, what in my past? What, what makes me think the way I think? I don't know where I got this. And the Lord gave me a dream. And in that dream, it showed me kneeling at my grandmother's knees. She had a big black family Bible on her lap. And she was combing her hair. Long, flowing hair. She always did it a hundred times a day. And I usually would do 25 and I'd give up and she'd finish it. But I stayed with my grandmother. But anyway, and she was teaching me. And I said, Lord, is that how I learned this? Because it's not the faith of my father. It's not the faith of my mother. It's, it's something else. And so I asked my mother. She, one day we was at the house. I said, well, let me ask you a question. And I asked her, did that, could that have possibly happened? Because my grandmother passed away when I was eight, so I don't remember a lot of those things of those days. And I told her what the Lord had showed me. I said, could that have happened? She said, no, not could it have happened. It happened. She said, when I worked, I didn't, she didn't work all the time. And she said, when I worked, your grandmother kept you. And so every day, at the end of the day, she would sit down and she would impart into you the Word of God and her faith. And I said, was her faith different? She said, says, your grandmother's faith was great faith. As a matter of fact, they called her Granny Faith. They didn't call the pastor when they were sick. They called my grandmother. So I learned about that. And what I am today, guess what? It's a... Toward the future of when I was five, six years old, seven years old, sitting with my grandmother all those years ago, years ago, she planted in me then, which became my past, which is what I have today, that I have built my foundation on God's Word and the faith that was taught to me. It's part of my past. Okay? And so it became then part of my future it's my past now, but then it was my future. So, there are many things that happen in our lives and, 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 and past things that happen. But does our past change after salvation? Now, we talked about things that happen in our early lives and when we're sinning and all that kind of stuff. But does the past change after salvation? No. It's still your past, even after you're saved. Spiritually, you've been forgiven, of course. But your past is still there. Everyone must have a past. We have a past that we were saved. Now, how many of you, since you got saved, that your past, in your past, you have made every correct decision in your salvation? Oh, you haven't? Oh, I thought I was the only one. But anyway, no. No, we make mistakes. We call them mistakes now. Well, sometimes they are mistakes. They're not necessarily sin. Sometimes we just flat make a mistake. <laughs> we just don't do the right thing. Not necessarily that we sin. We just don't do the right thing. And so, but those things, just because they're just, you know, has it been without sin? No, we've had sin. But do we remember the sin? Do you remember the sins of your past? We remember a few of them, probably the big boners we call them, 
you know, the real bad ones that we made, those real big ones that we made, we remember, we remember those, but a lot of those little ones and stuff, we, we don't remember them. But sometimes we have somebody who, who reminds us about them. Hmm? <laughs> um, Satan reminds us a lot about it, and then there's sometimes people will remind you of them. People love, some, there's some people out there that just love to remind you of your failures. They do. They get a thrill out of it. Our, our, you know, because of, you say, well, I'm, I'm, I messed up, you know. I remember when I was playing, playing football, back in, when I played football, we, had, we didn't have uh, memory sticks and video and DVDs. We had 16-millimeter film. So they would film the game with these cameras, and then we would watch them after the games to, to learn from our mistakes, the, our past, <laughs> learning from all of our mistakes. And one day, the coach, Bobby Douglas, had thrown this beautiful pass. I won't call the other guys a receiver because this might get out on the thing and I don't want to embarrass him. But anyway, because he's a professional football player. But anyway, he was running... And he went like this, the ball was perfect, and he went and it hit his hands and said, hit the ground in front of us. So the coach put it in reverse. He backed it up. He went again. He backed it up. He did it again. He did this about four or five times. And finally, the young man that missed the ball says, Coach, enough is enough. Why do you keep running it over and over? I missed the ball. He said, Well, I figure if I run it over enough, maybe you'll catch it one of these times. Doesn't work that way, right? But the thing about it is, the coach said, Well, maybe you'll catch it if I run it one more time. Maybe you'll catch it. You know, it, 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 it can't because... It was past. Once it went past his fingertips, it was gone forever. There was no getting it back. There was no touchdown. So we got one in the loss column. Okay? So, if we have repented of our sin, then we're forgiven, but we do not keep, but do we keep doing the same sins over and over because we forget our past? See, a lot of times because we don't remember the sins that have got us in the past and we don't learn from it, we don't learn from our past because we don't want to learn from our past, then we end up making the same mistakes in the future because we just don't remember. If we do not overcome sin, we will continue to repeat it over and over. Okay? So... Got all the way to this. Okay? Make sure I'm okay here. Okay, I am still. All right. So what do we do with our past? What do we do with our past? Know that all of our past is forgiven through our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? That's our past. We know that if we've asked God to forgive us, then we're then. Look at Romans 3.23. Everybody knows that, but the first part of it, where Paul here is talking to Christians. Talking to the Christians in Rome. So he starts reasoning, not talking to the world. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, saying that we all have failed. We all have made mistakes. We've all fallen short, not reaching what God wants in our life for the glory of God. It says, it says it's there. So the glory of God. But it says, being justified, okay, that means being as though we never sinned, being justified before. We've been justified freely by His grace and through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation substitute by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because of His forbearance. God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. That which is in the past. It was done. Every sin was done. Past sins. 
to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, where he was right then, right there, that he might be just and the justifier of those who has faith in Jesus. Secondly, don't beat yourself up over your past, but learn from it and press forward. I used the scripture last week, I didn't use it this week, but remember I said, he who puts his hands to the plow, what's it say? You don't do this? Why? Don't look back. Look forward. You say, yeah, but you're, you're forgetting the past. You forget. You're never... You can't forget. God says that He... God says, when you ask Him to forgive you sins, what's it say He'll do? He does what? He separates as far as the east is from the west. Okay? Now, if He, he has the ability that we don't have, He can forgive and forget. Okay? He can forget. He has the ability to forget. You say, oh, he's writing all this stuff down in the book, so he's got to remember it because we're going to be judged one day and all this kind of stuff. That's what Jesus is for. Every time we mess up, we look, he, Jesus stands there and said, Father, uh, the devil make accusations, and here we are. And Jesus standing over there and said, I said Father, uh, let Larry Graham, I know, but just look through my blood. Look through my blood. He's okay. He's okay. Right? So, but don't beat yourselves up. Philippians 3, 12. Not that I have already attained, Paul's saying here, not that I've already attained or am already perfect. Now, how many of you are perfect? I didn't get the first hand. Why? I thought we were perfect. Because I am or am already perfect, but I press on. And I, that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold for me. Great things Jesus wants for us. Okay? That's what He wants. That He's laid hold. It says that Jesus has already laid hold for us what He wants us to lay hold to. It's already, it's already there. It's already been prepared. He's already took everything in your life that He wants you to have. He's already got a hold of it. And all you have to do is grab what he's got. That's what he's telling us right here in, in the Word. So, brethren, I do not count myself to, be, to have apprehended. I hadn't got it yet. Not yet. I hadn't got it yet. But one thing I do know, forgetting those things which are behind me. You say, well, Brother Graham, why did you use that Scripture when you're talking about I'm supposed to forget my past and you're telling me that... Well, first of all, how many of you have the ability to forget your past? Paul's not talking about forgetting your past in the sense like we would call about forgetting your past. Paul is saying here, I cannot waste my time over my past. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can change in it. So why am I spending time on the past when God says, look toward the future? Doesn't mean that you can't learn from your mistake, can't learn from the past, but he's saying... Quit worrying about it and go on. And that's what, that's what we have to do. So, why this message tonight? Because a lot of people have probably done asked themselves 20 times, what in, and where is he going with this thing? Well, here's why. Our past, God has a plan for every one of us who is hearing this message. Not just here, but whoever... Whomever is hearing this message. I don't know if it's whoever or whomever, but you know who you are. Okay? Now hear this message, okay? God knew what mistakes you would make in your life. God knew where you would be on this day, this time, this moment. God knew every choice that you would make. God still has a plan for your life and mine too. All of our choices have brought you to this point in life. Okay? So, Jeremiah 29 says, we all know this one, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Okay? So, why am I using this message tonight? 
This church has been given a vision. Okay? A vision as a church to do. But a vision does not happen on its own. Okay? I hear a lot of things, have heard a lot of things. Not just, I'm not just talking here, I'm just talking about telling, when you start listening to people in general, listen to conversation. A lot of people think, well, Brother Graham, you, how could you know you talk and all this kind of stuff? I do a lot of listening too and hear what people say. And I've had people and heard people say, I just wish I could do something. I just wish I could do something. And I believe that God has a plan in something for all of us. People say, well, you know, if we're going to go with this vision. We're going to Africa, and we're going to, we're going to start out in, in, in Nigeria, and then we're going to expand from there, and we're going to go wherever God tells us to go and whatever we're going to do. Does that mean that when we take the ministry to Nigeria that we're just going to close these doors and say, God bless, we're now, we're now in Nigeria, so we don't need to be here anymore? This place has to be here. It's going to take people that will step up and do what God wants us to do. But we have to have a vision. Without a vision, people perish, right? So we must stay open to the plan of God that He has for you and for me. What has God done? So many people think that... I'll just put it this way. When I used to... When I was in high school, it happened when I was in college, but really one day something happened on the practice field. Anybody, you men may know what it is, but there's what we call the two-man sled, okay? Two-man sled meant that two guys could take it, hit the sled, and push it, and the coach would get on it to make it hard to push, and it was to build your legs up and, you know, that type of thing. And so we were, we had a brick, I mean a block, cinder block wall, around the baseball field, outfield, where we, where we played, I mean, where we practiced. And one day, we had the two-man sled, the coach was on it, but he was only allowing one person, to, he was making one person push. And so he's sitting up there on the thing like this, he said, put, so I hit it, I started driving it. Well, I'm driving it right toward the wall. And he's on this thing, and I'm driving it toward the wall, just hard, and I stick at that wall, I'm looking out the top of my head, and I said, I'm hitting that wall, it's going to knock him off this thing. So I went like this, and he kind of looked over his shoulder. He knew it was coming. All of a sudden, boom, I hit that wall. He went like that. I broke off of it, and I rolled off the head back. And he said, Graham. I said, yes, sir. He said, did I tell you to stop? Did you hear a whistle? I said, no, sir. He said, get in and start pushing. I looked at him. I said, coach, the thing's against the wall. He said, push it through the wall. So I sat there and dug for probably 15 or 20 seconds. My legs were just aching. We weren't going anywhere. That block, that block wall was not going to move no matter how hard I pushed it. He blew the whistle and I stepped away and he says, Don't stop until you hear the whistle. That stuck with me. Over 70 years. Don't stop until you hear the whistle. I was a running back. And sometimes I'd run into the line of scrimmage and it would just be the wad. Everybody know what I'm talking about when it's just like eight, nine guys and I'm down in it and there's guys over me, there's guys under me, and all I'm doing is pumping my legs and pushing and pushing and pushing. One day I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and I fell about this far short in giving a touchdown. And I got up and I went back, we went back to the huddle and there's always a referee in the back. And he says, man, you pushed and pushed and pushed. He says, why didn't you stop? I said, why didn't you blow the whistle? Okay? In our life, we have to keep pushing 
and pushing and pushing ourselves further and further. We can't get up at the first resistance that we run into. We have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until we get through or God says stop. But many times we just, well, I just can't do it. I couldn't push through that wall either. I knew I couldn't. But I knew better than to stop trying. But we give up many times because we fail before and we remember the failure. Okay? So therefore we don't want to try again and keep pushing and pushing. Try, push, try, push again. Because we let our past influence our emphasize what we think are our inabilities to do what God wants us to do. God did not call every one of us to be a preacher. But but God called every one of us, you out there, us here, He called every one of us to be a minister. I'm not talking about a preacher, pastor, evangelist. I'm talking about one who ministers and called us to be Disciples. Pastor has been talking about we got to go to the nations and make disciples. What is a disciple? One who learns. What do we learn from? We learn from what we read. We learn from what we study. We learn from what we hear. We learn from what we see. All of our senses, that's how we get the input coming in. It all comes in here. But what we forget is we also can learn from our past we can learn from the things that's happened to us before. We can say, Satan, you defeated me once. You're not going to defeat me now. I don't care what happened in the past. I'm putting my eyes and I'm going to do what God told me to do. It's important to realize that Jesus is on our side. And God says, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. We have him in us. And it doesn't matter how shattered people's lives are. It doesn't matter how shattered your childhood was. It doesn't matter all the things that happened to you. I didn't go through that. I can't even phantom some of the things that some girls went through and some boys have gone through early in their lives. Been abused, beaten, people been talked to, cut down, beat down, told them they're worthless, told them they can't do anything, nothing will ever be any good for them. And their past is filled with that. But I'm telling you today that through Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what happened to you. You may not be able to forget it, but you can look forward and know that God will get you where you need to go, when you need to go, and get it done in you. Stay open to the plan of God. Not the plan of God for this church. God's going to direct this church, but keep, stay on track. Stay open to the plan of God for your life. Find that plan. Find that purpose. Find what God wants you to do. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to what the voice of God tells you. You say, oh, you know, I thought about that. I just thought that thought, but I couldn't. Lord, I can't do that, so I, I, know, I don't know why I thought that. I don't know why I thought that. I can't even do that. The Lord told Moses, so I can't talk. Well, I'll give you a mouthpiece. Moses did all the talking. <laughs> After he got the mouthpiece. But we need to stay pliable. Pliable is clay. Yield your life to His will. What He wills for us to do. It doesn't matter what your past. It doesn't matter how bad your past has been. It doesn't matter what sin you committed. It doesn't matter how bad it was. It doesn't even matter if it was murder. It does not matter. When God forgave you, He forgave you. You need to move on and let God use us for His honor and for His glory. Jeremiah 18. Verse 1 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. God can cause our ears to hear the word, to hear what He wants us to do, to be able to know God, what you want me to do, listen to his ears. And then he went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something in the wheel, making this vessel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Has your life been marred? Something in your life that could have destroyed you, 
But it didn't because you're here. You're hearing this word tonight. I'm telling you, he took a vessel that was marred. He said this vessel had been made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Whoever was trying to make it, it was broken. But he made it again into a new, another vessel. And it seemed good to the potter to make it. Oh, house of Israel, we're there. Can I not do with you as this potter? Said the Lord. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand. God will make you a vessel of honor. He will make you a vessel to be used. It won't be marred because He'll turn what was marred into something that is great and wonderful. He'll take your life, He'll mold it, and He'll make it into something to make you great. You say, but I'm not great. You're great. God doesn't make junk. He made you. From the day I was conceived in my mother's womb, God had a plan for me. He has the same plan, not my plan, but a plan for you before you were ever born into this world. Find that plan that God has for you. Forget all that that's behind that has hurt you. All those difficult times. Place your hand in the hand of the potter. Let him mold your life. Mold you into what he wants you to be. This church has, one, has a great vision. But a great vision is nothing more than a lot of little visions put together making something great. It doesn't, an army is not made up of one man. No matter how great he is, he can be the gladiator. It doesn't matter. He's only one man. But it's the army. Everybody fighting together, doing the work, walking step by step by step by step together in unity that makes an army. And it takes an army to do what God wants us to do. And it's going to take everyone that we have and God's going to bring us even more. But we all have to find that place that God wants to use us. There are people say, well, where's the opportunities? You let God know where it is. You can find your opportunities. Get them here. Let's find them. There are, there are places now that we have to need people. Already. So there's there, people there, I, I don't know what I can do. Do something. You say, well, pray. Become a prayer warrior. We can all be that. Okay? But do something. Don't let your past failures negatively influence your future. You have a great destiny. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Glorify God in all that you do for Him. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. York Fellowship has a vision, which Pastor Goodluck and Pastor Angela has shared with us. And it's moving fast. It's moving fast. I was talking to Pastor Goodluck the other day. And he says, this thing is just moving fast. I didn't expect I'm over here and it's it's already up here. God, Jesus is coming soon, folks. Time. We got a lost and dying world out there. It takes all of us pulling together. Okay? We cannot allow Satan to use our past to keep us from living our vision and the plan that God has for each and every one of us. It's our choice. I choose to find my vision and I choose to find my place. I ask you the question, how about you? How about you? Are you going to find your place? Are you going to seek God for your vision? You seek God for what? He wants to use your talents. He wants to use something. And if something comes to your mind and you say, I can't do that. Why did it come to your mind? Why did it come to your mind? Why would you think about it? Were you thinking about doing it? No, you're not. It came to your mind. Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a rule that I learned and taught 45 years ago. It's called the process of elimination. The process of elimination. If God speaks to your, if something comes to your mind that God wants you to do, and you say, whoa, 
Where'd that come from? Well, you already said you didn't want to do it, so I know you didn't think about it. If it's something that needs to be done for God, I'm sure the devil didn't tell you to do it. And since there's only three influences in our life, Satan, us, the only one left is God, so he must have said it. But you don't understand, Brother Graham, I just don't know if I can do that. God never calls anybody that he doesn't equip. God doesn't call people that he doesn't equip. If God called you, he'll equip you to do the word for him. So I challenge you tonight. Remember your past, yes, but don't let the negative things of your past include, in, don't let those things influence your future. Let the good things of the past and the good things that are happening now that will become part of your past, but let that be the launch pad that you can launch from to the future and for the vision and the plan that God has for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that something that was said, Lord, will encourage us to grab the vision. Grab that vision, God, that you want for us. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you just begin to open the minds of your people. Not only these here, but those that are listening and those that will hear, whether they're in this church or in a church somewhere halfway around the world, let them find their vision. Let them find the place, Lord, that they can work for you. That God, that you'll show them what they need to do for you. And God, you will call them and you'll equip them. I thank you, Lord, for that. I thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. God, you promised me that your word would not come back void. Use us, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. And may you heal the wounds of the past. Those that have been hurt and wounded severely. God, take them. Mold them. Take that marred life and make it new in you. With your love, your grace, and your mercy. And I thank you, Lord, for it. Go with us to our homes, Lord. Keep your hedge of safety around us as we go. And God, bring us back at the next appointed time to worship you, thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you as you go.